Spider-Man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another one of these. It's been a little while, but we're back. And we're here with The Amazing Spider-Man, issue number 10. Um, right off the bat, I'm just looking at this. And this cost 12 cents when it came out. Um, if Biff Tannen had a fucking brain in his head, like, why would you, you're like, I'll make this, these bets with this sports almanac when you're like, uh, or you could just go buy a bunch of fucking comics off the rack. I mean, 12 cents. You could buy out every issue you could find of this and then bring them to the present, sell them on eBay and everything would be great. Right. Plus, if you bought like a bunch of amazing fantasy 15s, brought them to the present, they're in great condition and they would have been super rare because it's like you took 25 more of them out of circulation. It's the perfect plan. Biff, you're an idiot. I know this may come as a surprise to somebody, but I don't think Biff Tannen was the evil genius we thought he was. He may have been a fool. Uh, in this issue, we introduce a group of baddies known as the Enforcers. Never has anyone fought such merciless foes as the Enforcers. Um which I don't really, I feel like that's not, I feel like it should say, never has anyone fought such, fought foes so merciless as the Enforcers or something. It makes it sound like the Enforcers are fighting a merciless foe. I have the uh, Marvel Encyclopedia here open to the Enforcers page. So we're in March 1964. Uh, their base is New York City. Members and powers. Now, in this early stage, they're there are some extra, um, there are only three enforcers plus the big man who's in charge and some others show up later. So right now we've got Fancy Dan, um, who's a judo and karate expert and has a nice line in suits too. Uh, that's in the encyclopedia. Montana, who's proficient with a lariat. And Ox, who's not super strong, but very strong. This is an important, whoever wrote this encyclopedia, I think has a bit of a sense of humor. Because they're like, let's make a distinction between not super strong, but very strong. Um, and just let people figure that out for themselves. Just like, I don't know. He's not the fucking Hulk, but he's a pretty strong dude. The Enforcers can give most superheroes a run for their money. Although they have been defeated by Spider-Man a number of times, he has required the help of others to overcome them, calling on the NYPD, the Human Torch, or the Reformed Sandman. Initially employed by the big man during his bid to control New York's underworld, the Enforcers have also worked for the Green Goblin and the Kingpin until he was overthrown, forcing them back into the muscle-for-hire market. Now, there are also some that show up later, including Snake Marston, who entwines his body around objects and people, and uh, Hammer Harrison, who's an expert boxer and unarmed combatant. I feel like Snake Marston is kind of a standout here because it sounds like he's kind of got a uh, superpower of sorts. Whereas the rest is just like a big guy, a little guy, and a uh, cowboy. Also on the cover, learn why J. Jonah Jameson really hates Spider-Man in this issue. So get ready because this is exciting. So we flip open and we've got, first we've got this page. It always has where it's kind of like sums up the story and everything. And we get a good picture of the Enforcers. And the big man who's standing there, here's what's great. The big man is pointing a gun at Spider-Man, who's kind of like crouched on the ground. And the big man has his empty hand just sort of on his hip. You know, he just looks so fucking bored. He's just like, oh, God, another day of this. Um, but I'm very fascinated by 
fancy Dan on this page and throughout the book. Ox is just a big, huge guy, right? His fist is the size of his head, which is also giant. Uh, Montana just has a, a rope, a cowboy rope and a cowboy hat and like a, you know, fucking cigarette or some hay or some shit. Now, Fancy Dan... Okay, let's say... Um, it looks like the mid-range here is Montana as far as size. Ox is probably pretty fucking big. Montana, let's just say he's like 6'2". This would make Fancy Dan less than four feet tall. <laughs> I mean, he's like a, a child in this. And uh, I just, like, Fancy Dan I just find to be the most interesting, you know. And, like, what a non-intimidating name. Hello, I'm Fancy Dan. I mean, he looks like a hobbit. It's like in the uh, Lord of the Rings movies when they would film the hobbits from behind. And it's like little kids or something. Uh, or maybe it's like the leprechaun was sort of like, I'm going to make some trouble in a different way. Uh, get involved in organized crime. So it starts off where there's kind of a heist going on uh, that the big man is doing. It's called Operation High Lift, which I like. I like that old-time stuff like this Spider-Man comic and everything. They always had, you know, for the smallest of jobs, it's like we're going to rob a bank. What should we call it? Uh, Operation dark condor you know what i mean there always had to be an operation or like we're gonna call it plan zx12 okay then they made a super secret tank they couldn't call it like the super tank they had to call it project weapon devastator or something like that they could never just whatever (laughs) um you know spider-man tries to thwart it but is uh he gets up near this helicopter and a pile of gas just comes out and, I don't know, makes him fall off. And uh, I sure won't win any medals for the dumb-headed, for the dumb-head way I muffed that job. Which sometimes, too, I wonder, okay, so there are these old-time terms like muffed, which I've always known muff as, you know, vagina. And uh, so I really vaginaed that job. And then, like, boner was a thing they said back then, like, oh, what a boner. Um, I always wondered if those things, I think they must have had some of the meaning they have today. And if so, if the people who wrote this stuff were like, I can get away with putting muff and boner in here and I'm going to fuck off. Right. And (laughs) the best part is we have these guys just standing around. They're just bystanders, you know, who are like looking at Spider-Man. They're like, boy, you sure goofed that one up. What a clown, you know? These have to be some of the ugliest looking extras. Like, it's just like the person who wrote this. The guy on the left, there's three of them. The guy on the left looks like um, a deformed Popeye. The guy in the middle just kind of looks like a generic fat guy. And the guy on the right looks like, um, who's the fucking guy from Casablanca? Uh, If he melted. If he melted and his lips turned into giant fish lips. I mean, they are just profoundly ugly. It's amazing. It's like, and again, I can't tell if it was just they were like, let's just make some guys real quick, and they're just like, oof, God. But, I mean, I guess it's fine. But, uh, boy, are they hideous. So then we go back, you know, we see we see the enforcers with uh, the big man, and the big man is yelling silence at somebody, which is classic. That's how... If they're like, how do we signal that someone's a villain? Well, just have them yelling silence all the time. 
or you fool or whatever. And then we'll know it's all good. And so then this is where we see sort of a demo of the, uh, the enforcers. So we have fancy Dan first. Though small, his footwork is so fast and dazzling that no one can lay a hand on him while he performs little odd jobs for me, such as this, beating the shit out of people. Um, he's a master of judo and entitled to wear the coveted black belt. And he basically looks like he's punching some guy in the crotch, throwing people around, all the while smoking a cigarette in one of those fancy cigarette holders, which is pretty great. I mean, Fancy Dan is clearly like the most interesting of the uh, of these three, right? Then you have Ox, who just basically punches these guys in the face. And then you've got Montana, who is like a cowboy. Um, show them, you know, and he ropes them. In the hands of an expert like Montana, his lasso resembles a living thing, completely obedient to its master's will. Then you're sort of like, I guess, I guess like maybe the best lasso men in the world would be able to defeat a gunman, a, a poor, poor gunman. Um, I suppose that's possible. It's not the, uh, the most outrageous thing, I guess, that I've seen in a, <laughs> a Spider-Man comic, but fine. Um, so, you know, then the, uh, the enforcers are out making trouble. And J. Jonah Jameson is party to all of this, and he's uh, talking to talking to a guy, Foswell, who works at the uh, the Daily Bugle as a columnist, and he's like, Foswell, I want you to write a series of articles which will prove that the big man is none other than Spider-Man himself. And Foswell says, but we haven't any proof, Mr. Jameson. The police don't know who he is. And if you go out on a limb the way you did last month when you claimed he was Electro, and if you turn out wrong again, people will lose confidence in our paper. Jameson, quiet, I'll do the talking. Not quite silence. That's how you know Jameson's not the worst bad guy, because he just says quiet, not silence. Um, and then we see a picture of Fancy Dan here near Peter Parker, and Fancy Dan looks to be a good 18 inches shorter than Peter Parker. So you're like, all right, Peter Parker is probably like 5'9 or something, right? So what does that put? I mean, that's in the just over four feet range or something like that. Anyway, through a complicated series of events, you know, Spider-Man starts fighting some goons. He does make a giant fake spider out of web um, that he puts in a giant web, and he kind of is telling this guy, like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this uh, fake spider to come eat you or whatever. And the guy's like, no, 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 no. I'll tell you what you want to know or something like that, which is hilarious because I'm like, you know, Spider-Man, you're wondering why people think that you have, like, Ant-Man powers and shit. Maybe it's because you're doing exactly what Ant-Man would do. Uh, maybe maybe, maybe you got some culpability in this one. Um, they have a fist fight. Spider-Man does a lot of punching and dodging. He punches Ox, like, right in the face, uppercut. It makes me wonder, I gotta believe. Like, these bad guys must have no teeth left in their face. Right? Or, like, I wonder about, like, a Luke Cage. Like, he's getting shot all the time and his skin's impenetrable, but, like, wouldn't it knock your tooth out or something? I mean, wouldn't you just have to get a grill and just fake implanted teeth all the time? These, some of these crimes must just all be about, like, listen, I need to afford teeth so I can eat solid food. That's basically what's happening. That's all I'm about. That's all I care about. 
So, you know, Spider-Man is, you know, semi-defeated, but then he takes another crack at the Enforcers. And they're, like, throwing barrels at him. They're uh, throwing tires at him. It's, you know, it's American Ninja Warrior, basically. Um, Ox is just throwing a shitload of tires at him, and he's, like, dodging through them and stuff like that. It's sort of like if the, um, you know, the NFL has the Combine. If superheroes had a Combine, it would probably look something like this. They're like, here's a bunch of barrels. Here's a bunch of tires. Oh, I poured some grease on the floor. Let's see how you do. Ooh, now he's sliding on the floor like an ice skater. You know, he's just basically beating the shit out of everybody, even Fancy Dan, who tries to judo throw him. But then, you know, Spider-Man sticks to the wall and then throws, I don't know what he does, turns Fancy Dan upside down. And Dan's like, oh, shit. How do you handle that? Um, so he beats the shit out of the Enforcers because basically they're regular dudes. So that's kind of as you would expect. And, uh... Oh, and finally, you know, after he's had tires and barrels and things throw at him, then finally the big man is like, maybe I'll just try and shoot him with my gun. And you're like, yeah, maybe that's a good idea. Like, why, why do you go... If you have a gun and it's Spider-Man, so you're like, I mean, I, it, you can kill Spider-Man if you're a bad guy, as far as, like, legality goes, because it's like, well, what are they going to do? Like, yeah, Spider-Man's not really operating legally either. I don't know. I feel like you could shoot a Spider-Man and just sort of be like, eh. I mean, he fucking just came in here. If you can shoot some kid in a hoodie, surely you can shoot a Spider-Man. Uh, you know, and you'll have the Daily Bugle on your side. <laughs> Which, okay. So the big man gets away, but in a very Scooby-Doo-esque twist, turns out to be, uh, what's his name, Floswell, Right? It's like, oh my god, it turns out Foswell was him. The one new character in the book um, was him. This is always the problem on Scooby-Doo, right? You're like, I wonder who the bad guy is. Maybe the one character, is it going to be Fred this time? No? Velma? No? Oh, well then it's probably going to be whoever's new. So, you know, it turns out to be Foswell. They bust him. And then Jameson is like, god damn it. Well, I guess Spider-Man's not him. And here's what he says. Um, when he's alone in his office, he's pounding his desk. Am I always to be thwarted, embarrassed, frustrated by Spider-Man? I hate that costume freak more than I have ever, ever hated anyone before. I'll never be contented while he's free. All my life, I've been interested in only one thing, making money. And yet Spider-Man risks his life day after day with no thought of reward. If a man like him is good, is a hero, then what am I? I can never respect myself while he lives. Spider-Man represents everything that I'm not. He's brave, powerful, and unselfish. The truth is, I envy him. I, J. Jonah Jameson, millionaire, man of the world, civic leader, I'd give everything I owe to be the man that he is. But I can never climb to his level. So all that remains for me is to tear, try to tear him down, because heaven help me, I'm jealous of him. So there we go, as promised. The real reason J. Jonah Jameson hates Spider-Man. Um, which I felt like, you know, has been subtext for a long time, or, you know, maybe maybe up to this point. Had, I mean, it's only ten issues in, so we could be like, why does Jameson have such a fucking boner for hating Spider-Man? But maybe now we know, right? It's like, oh, because he's jealous of him. I mean, it does seem like it's a weird thing, because in this, Jameson is very like uh, 
self-reflective. So he knows that he hates Spider-Man. He knows it's totally unfair. It's unfounded. And yet he's like, the only thing I can think to do is tear him down. Because then I won't feel bad anymore. Because there won't be this like good dude for me to compare myself to. And you're like, I mean, I guess that's one one way to go about it. I mean, it's the definition, right, of like, I'm going to bring someone else down to make myself feel better. It's almost even worse because he's like, I'm going to tear someone else down just so I don't feel shitty. <laughs> um, but there you go, I guess. I, it makes him a, a little more villainous, maybe. A little more of an asshole. But uh, quasi-sympathetic, can I say that? Semi-sympathetic? Semi-pathetic? Um, so I'll give him that. That's, that's something, I guess. So issue 10, there we go. What's the importance of issue 10? Well, we've got some, you know, we didn't really talk about it in the summary. Betty Brant is sort of involved with the mob, um, who's kind of a uh, early Peter Parker love interest-ish. We've got the introduction of the Enforcers, which is like a, um, a third-tier, probably, villain set. I mean, they they kind of come as a set. I don't think... It seems like they almost had at the office, they're like, we've got these ideas for these bad guys. You know, we've got this, what if Spider-Man fights a guy who's like a cowboy, Montana? And they're like, uh, how about this like little judo expert guy? And then they're like, you know what? Let's just, when we have a, a villain who's not quite there, who we don't quite have enough, let's throw him on a team with a couple others. And then you're like, all right, well, a cowboy with a lasso is not that interesting, but when he's with like a um, a judo expert who has a pituitary gland issue, now we got something going, right? You can't just really have a big guy who punches, but if he's with these other two guys, now we have a tale to tell. So <laughs> the enforcers almost feel like that, right? Um but whatever. I mean, it, it kind of works, I guess. I, it's a it's a good example of, um, you know, one of the problems with the movies these days, the Marvel movies, is that everything is the end of the world. You know, the new Spider-Man preview came out, and I'm hopeful that this one will be a little... I like that the Spider-Man stories, especially in this time, are a little more micro, right? He's stopping the vulture, who's just robbing banks and shit. The vulture is not trying to poison New York City's water supply and kill everyone. You know, he's not trying to blow up a nuclear reactor uh, in the center of the city, even on accident. He's just, he's like, I just kind of want to have some money and live in a silo on Staten Island. Hey, oh, um, which I appreciate. I think that's better because it's, uh, it makes more sense to me. If I, I get that. I'm like, yeah, I could see why if I was like, I could go to work tomorrow or I could not go to work ever again. And once every three months I have to rob a bank, but I've got a super suit that makes it pretty fucking easy. Um, that makes sense. And I don't know. I, I guess I don't really, f I don't know how robbing a bank, what individuals that really hurts. You know what I mean? As long as I guess you're not shooting somebody. But uh, I don't know how problematic this is. It seems like what happens is the bank gets robbed and then, like, some kind of insurance probably has to pay it off. 
and it eventually gets passed on to the taxpayers. But then you're like, well, the vulture is just this old man. He would just be collecting social security anyway. Like, what's the fucking difference? Yeah, he gets a little more than his share. Who cares? <laughs> anyway, um, so issue 10, probably the biggest thing is the Jameson reveal. And then, you know, I guess retroactively the introduction of the enforcers. But I got to believe, looking back on it, that the enforcers come along and they were kind of like, eh, yeah, we'll see. What, we'll see if this goes anywhere. We'll see if anyone writes in and is like, I want to see more of the enforcers or if they're just like, whatever. I mean, another good thing about the enforcers is you can, you can, as we read, team them up with the Kingpin or, you know, Hammerhead or whoever, Tombstone, right? They can be with any sort of mob type person um, or in business for themselves. So it kind of works out. They can kind of just show up and then it's like, oh, great. Um, I do also like about the enforcers and like the bad guys in the comics of this time is like, the enforcers are kind of just a little bit better than regular people as far as their fighting and stuff like that. And they are like teamed up. They are kind of a match for Spider-Man. So I like that. You know, I, I, I don't love how sometimes Spider-Man's gone through some different phases and just how powerful he is. And sometimes you're like, yeah, I mean, this, this guy who's just kind of super strong is probably not going to be much of a match for him. Let's be serious. Let's get serious about these comics. Uh, can Spider-Man beat a werewolf? Probably. That's probably not going to be that challenging for him. That's where I'm at right now in the uh, Amazing Spider-Man. I'm in, like, 130s, and right now I'm reading Giant Size. Uh, and there's a... <laughs> There's a story where um, J. Jonah Jameson, way down the road, his son turns into a werewolf. And he has this necklace that's like turning him into a werewolf or helping him turn into a werewolf or something. And Spider-Man rips it off him. And when he rips it off him, he just like throws it into the, the East River. And you're like, wait a second. Wait a second. There's this like mystical gem or something. And you're like well, this would be safer if I just tossed it in the river. And it's like, can't you just fucking swing by Dr. Strange's house and give it to him or something? And then, of course, you know, three or four issues later, the gem comes back into play. It's on the board again. And Jameson's a werewolf again. And Spider-Man's like, how could this have happened? And you're like, really? You really thought there's no way this is going to come back into play? Because, boy, as a reader who doesn't do superhero shit, I immediately was like, oh, come on. You fucked yourself. You fucked us all, Spider-Man. Way to go. Anyway, way off track. But the point being, um, there you go. That's uh, issue 10. We've made it 10 issues in. And uh, we're going to just keep on rocking. So we'll see you next time for issue 11. I believe we have a little bit more of my good friend, Dr. Otto Octavius. Spider-Man.